Hello everyone and welcome back to the podcast where we try and improve our play through a more analytical approach. I'm joined this week, finally, in fact, because it's the first pod we've done together since last season, by Luke. How are you doing, mate? You okay? I'm good, mate. I've been enjoying the break, watching from afar, <laughs> watching all your uh, your creative work with our fellow guests and uh, <laughs> just relaxing. So yeah, it's been good, but I'm happy to be back on. Good. Yeah, it's um, it's quite nice to have a bit more of it. Well, hopefully people enjoy it anyway. To have a uh, have it mixed up a little bit more, and because I just think yeah, Ben and Seb definitely offers something different uh, to us as well, and we've all got you no know, people probably just appreciate just a change of voice rather than our monotone yeah. voices <laughs> week in week out. I, I bring the, I like to think I bring the comedy. They're the smart kids, and I sort of just bring the banter. I think, and the, you can all laugh at me for my transfers, such as Philip Foden. Yeah, podcast host first. Entertain a second or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. How how's things in general? You enjoyed the start yeah. of the season? Uh, yeah. I just because it's good to be back, right? And we're um, let's face it, we're addicts. So when we um, when we don't have fantasy football, to me, I don't really like it. I know some people say they like the break and stuff, and I do for about a week, and then after that, I kind of want it back straight away. So I'm really happy that it's back. Um, and we get to make decisions again and play the game. So that's that's all cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I've kind of been enjoying it. It's been sort of mediocre, I guess, for me personally. Mm. Uh, some of the 50-50s already kind of not going the way you want. And it's like, here we go again sort of thing. But um, that's the game we love, right? I'm sure I'll get a few of them right coming up. So, yeah, happy. How about you? Yeah, yeah, good. I had a bad, well, you had a fairly poor first couple of weeks and then a really good third game week. I feel like it's been a pretty average start, I guess. And... You know, people always say, oh, you know, you don't need to worry about overall rank in the first few game weeks. And it's just, just, yeah, it's completely true. You really don't need to. Like, I think if your team's in a really good position and you're in a position where it looks like you can be flexible in terms of wildcard rather than wildcard, many things to sort out on your team. So I think I think that's the main thing. And that's where you'll see the biggest uh, gains made in like the first half of the season is when we get to that period, whether that's in game week eight or nine or whether people hold it for later. We'll see. There'll, be, there'll mm. even be some people doing it this week, I'm sure. Um so yeah, no, I think I've, I've done okay, and yeah, my most recent game week was pretty good because I I bought Gusto in game week two, benched him in that first game week, and then started him in game week three. So got lovely. got very lucky with those two assists. Though. I think they were like the only two, or felt like the only two chances he created. Really, he put a lot of crosses in. To be mm. fair, and he is very attacking, but yeah, to get two assists from it's the, absolutely dream world for that sort of thing, isn't it? I know you can have yeah, like yeah. we all know he was attacking fullback and he's a decent player, but to get sort of two attacking returns and a clean sheet, yeah. e- even though it's a good fixture, is just like jackpot. That's why we play the game. Like him, even Yudogi, and there's a few defenders that kind of been popping off lately. Like, we mm. love that stuff. That's what we're here for. So, um, yeah. Uh, on that on that uh, note about rank and stuff, I genuinely, like, do not care, particularly at the beginning, like you say, at all. Like, for me, the biggest gauge is really looking at mini leagues that are competitive that you're in. And just seeing how far away you are from the top guys, like presuming they haven't used chips, because I would suggest most competitive leagues players haven't actually used chips yet. Mm-hmm. So if you look at sort of the top three or four and you're kind of still within like 20, 30 points, like to begin with, then I would say that's like a pretty good start. Like mm-hmm. that you can account for that many points in variance in two or three weeks, I would say. And that's fine. If you're if you're already like 60, 70 points away from from sensible leagues, then then I'd probably start worrying. So that's where I kind of judge my start and um, yeah, I'm doing comparatively pretty well to most people. Like, I mean, we've all got the same teams pretty much. It's, it's kind of like that Gusto and Udogi and a few little bits here or there that have had a couple, uh, 
sort of a world star game week that have kind of made the difference, I guess, for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then even then, you could argue Gabriel. Um, I mean, I don't claim any sort of magical insight on the Gabriel Saliba thing. The fact I was lucky enough to have Saliba means I was probably 20, 30 points on the people who have caught me back this week as a result of, um, you know, just not having him and then have to move him for, for Gusto or Yudogi. So, yeah. It's all kind of equaled out already, I guess. Yeah. And there's just, like you said, there's just a couple of things, isn't there? Like, for example, I mean, among again, amongst engaged players, particularly the midfield, you've got Fernandes and Rashford in almost every team. And there's just a couple, it's just basically whether you have. In Buemo, Matoma, maybe Madison, Richarlison, whoever in there, that's probably determined how good your start is. Plus mm. the whole Gabriel James thing, whether you have one of those two, that's probably impacted things. Or they may be evened out in some circumstances. And then who your third striker is. But then, even though that's been a, a differential within teams, people have had Pedro, Jackson, or Watkins generally, or Vissa, maybe some people, like there's not been a huge difference between them anyway, really, I don't think. Like Pedro scored in the first week, then he's blanked two in a row. Watkins has got three assists in a row but then he, he costs a bit more money doesn't he so you'd expect him to score more and then I think probably Jackson owners have been a bit unlucky to, the most unlucky to be honest yeah Jackson's great he's such a good yeah. player I'm bigging him up at the beginning of the season and then I don't own him I went and got Alvarez didn't I which <laughs> again I'm not particularly um, I'm unhappy about I'm just unhappy about the fact he didn't really get any points because I thought um, he really deserved them, at least based on the stats and what I was watching in that game. I mean, the fact that Harlem missed the penalty basically is is inconsequential for everyone else. But when you've got Alvarez, who got the assist for it, um, it does actually have an impact. I can already see loads of questions in the chat around uh, around stuff like to do with Foden and Perisic and all stuff. We will get to them, guys. I, I promise yeah. you. We basically got we basically got this episode. We've got five kind of main bigger questions, which I've kind of taken out from the replies we got on Twitter. Some of them just summarise the same question that lots of people are asking and then others I've picked out that are interesting and then I've got kind of like five more quick fire questions at the end which we'll go through with the questions in the chat, in the chat as well. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll interact with you as we go as well. And I mean, I constantly make mistakes while I'm on this pod so correct us as we go as well, <laughs> please. <laughs> Not just mis- mis- mispronouncing players' names though. Um, That's my specialty. <laughs> and uh, so did you, did you have Gabriel? You didn't have either Gabriel or James in the end then though. Or did you have James? No, I got lucky there. I, I didn't yeah. genuinely. I didn't buy Reese James because I just feel he's too injury prone, and you know it. It yeah. happened, but uh, you know to say it was going to happen like game week one is a bit much. But um, yeah, that was fine. The Saliba Gabriel thing, I I was ha- happened to get the news. As simple as that. Yeah. So um, I was lucky there. Uh, but to be fair, you yeah. were considering Saliba anyway. I remember because they were yeah. they're, they're pretty similar on review, and I think you just fancied him because it's different. Yeah, basically they were pretty much equal on review, which surprised me because Gabriel's goal threat was so good. And I, I did listen to the Arsenal pod beforehand about the fact that the inverting from different sides in Timber, mm. I didn't actually think it would happen this quickly. I mean, I was putting tweets out saying, I think Arteta's got options this season and he might change, chop and change. I don't know if you saw that. I might be trying to become more like Pep. Now he's got all these different options and it seemed to happen straight off the bat. But I can't say that I thought felt that it was definitely going to be like that. But I just felt that Saliba was probably the more nailed player because Gabriel, as good as he is, he's, he's obviously good at specific things um, more than, I would say, going into wide areas and, and, and um, being dragged out of position. But I think um, people are saying now that it may even be something not tactical. It might be a person. I mean, we just don't have the information to it. I, I wouldn't rule that out totally either, to be honest. We just mm. don't know. He's put three different people there now. I know Zinchenko hasn't actually played yet. And a lot of the talk is that Zin- when Zinchenko plays, Gabriel will play. And I, I kind of understand that. But um, yeah, we, ha- we haven't actually had that come to fruition yet. I think this week is probably the first time where that is probably possible. Like Zinchenko's start, I guess, if he doesn't play this one. 
you've got to say it's got to be something more than that but um yeah either way i'm happy not to have him because he's just it's really unlucky right he was just such a good pick um all of last season i would still say he was a good pick at the beginning of the season and people have just suffered as, as a result generally outside of the the gusto you do if you got lucky this week coming mm. off the bench or whatever yeah yeah but it feels like um yeah i think most people have now corrected those or uh replaced those players now maybe some people still have one i do actually still have gabriel and we'll be replacing him this week um but there's a lot more dilemmas in, in midfield now in general, which is a, a, a what some of our questions about. Um, so I reckon we go to that question first, actually. So um, this this question actually initially came in from Golden Goal Fantasy Football, which is a really good YouTube channel, by the way, if you've not checked it out. Um, so but his, his question was basically, as a Madison, Sterling or Bowen, but I also just threw, I think you've got to throw Foden into there as well. Um, and then in Buemo as well because not everyone has him and um, I guess of those six midfielders if let's say you didn't own um, yeah let's say let's say you didn't own any of them like which one would you be prioritizing and what would if you think it's close what would determine which one do you go for do you have any kind of strong feelings on that it's, it's hard to answer I guess because I mean I've got in Bomo and Foden I haven't got any of the others I don't have Sterling Bowen Madison Eze did you say mm. um me for me, I I really wanted Madison, and I think I just talked preseason. I mean, preseason the plan was Madison in game week three for the good fixture run. I was going to leave him out game week one and two, see how it worked, um, and then make that transfer. And I had Havertz in that place, right? Ultimately, I should have just started with I shouldn't have even pre-booked it apparently, and I should have had Madison. But it's easy to say now because Havertz mm-hmm. games were great, and potentially he could even been up front. So. You know, happy with the decision. The outcome probably wasn't what I wanted. Madison was great. And then I was always going to bring him in this week. And then um, obviously the injury happened, right? Or the lack of an injury, but the, at least the doubt. Um, so as a result, I didn't bring him in. I, I couldn't bring him in with that flag, I guess. It just seems silly. So I would say Madison is my favourite out of all of them because that's what I would have done had I known he was fit and played. And I just think if you drag out the fixture ticket, I mean, it, it depends again, I suppose, on wildcard and stuff. But I'd say Tottenham's immediate two fixtures against Burnley and Sheffield United. Mm. Um, are really good then they have like Arsenal Liverpool which obviously not great but then if you extend out the ticker to sort of like 10 games up to like game week 13 they're right at the top on on fantasy football scout anyway or certainly them and Newcastle are right near the top so I think fixture wise like long term if you're not planning to wildcard game week nine or even if you are he's a good pick I just like him because all those all those options are great but I think the fact that he takes some set pieces, the fact that he's at least in the conversation for penalties. I do think Son will take them, by the way, but I think he's in the conversation. Um, just give him that little bit of edge. I mean, I mean, Eze's in that bracket as well because he has the set pieces and the penalties, but I just don't think they're as good a team. Sterling's um, in that conversation, though, potentially, just because we've not seen a taker since Enzo missed. No, but I, yeah, but I, I suppose because he doesn't have the set pieces, right? Sure. I, I, he, did, he is definitely in there, but I think that's what just gives me the edge with Madison is I just think he's... There's barely anything in it. I think they're all extremely close on expected points on everything, right? It's just my personal preference is Madison because I just think he's um, probably likely to be more involved in most of the goals, like for, for Spurs. But um, you know, this is this is gut feeling. It's not coming from anywhere else other than that. I would add that he's he, he's already had that injury doubt, and he has got a, quite a history of picking up knocks and niggles. So yeah. that would be a slight worry whether he can last, but. Um, yeah, I, I have a slight preference for him. I think you've got the stats to say exactly who Review prefers, but that's my personal preference. Yeah, well, 
I suppose the main things I would add to that, so the, the names I mentioned in, in terms of Bowen and Eze, I just wouldn't consider them personally. When you look at it and review whatever time period you look at, they kind of come out nowhere near the other four. Mm. Um, Mbwemo is like, if you look at it over the next five game weeks, 12 game weeks or two game weeks, Mbwemo comes out on top. But obviously bear in mind, this is the default um, expected minutes. So I'd say if you've not got Mbwemo, he's definitely one to prioritise. Um, but whether you do that... Um, this week immediately, you know, you could prioritise another one this week if you prefer the fixture, for example, if you know you're going to get both anyway. But in Buemo, it's like, surprising how high he comes, uh, how high up he comes. It just obviously massively rates Brentford's uh, fixtures and his ability, the fact that we know he's on penalties as well. But I, I, just, I basically think with Madison and Sterling, it's really close. Um, so what you need to do is actually look at your future transfers and see if you need that extra money. So for me, I know that if I get Madison... I won't be able to afford Trippier next game week, which is, uh, or this game week, which is the plan. So for me, it just becomes a no-brainer straight away because of the advantage of having Trippier over, I don't know, Shah, for example, where you've got more attacking threat uh, from a player mm. from the same team. So I, I think with those two, I think you just look, see if you need that extra money or not. Like, I don't know, what is it, like 0.7 difference between them or something like that. Mm. Uh, then if you need, I think if you need that and there's a considerable difference in the quality of your team overall in terms of what you do with that money, uh, I think that makes makes plenty of sense to to go for sterling but um I, I wouldn't go for foden personally but it's just a minutes thing i just really don't <laughs> i just never never trust pep and like what happened on the weekend wasn't an i told you so at all he just happened to be ill and actually i didn't own foden but even though he came on and got the assist like their owners were his owners were really unlucky because to get i think getting, to get four I think points ignored, is, is I, bad yeah i think an ignored factor there though is and it is part of the re like Foden did get obviously got ill, um, but I think there are, and maybe this is uh, brave of me to say, but I think there are other players in other teams where if they were slightly had the sniffles, because clearly he could still play, right? He travelled and he came onto the pitch and he played, right? I know they needed the goal and it's the last few minutes. I think if that was Watkins, for example, he starts the game. So that is the thing with Man City. I do think that even in those situations, they're so well blessed in so many areas and have such, you know, amazing players as backups that. Um, even though it's unlucky, and I got Foden myself, right? The fact that he got ill and they can just say, oh no, you, you know, we've got someone else who can play in the position. I think that is a factor, like a little bit more than other teams. I don't think they'd drop Watkins mm. if he had a nose or you know, his arsehole's falling out or whatever was happening to Foden. Um, yeah. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, you, um, yeah you, you probably are right. Yeah, sorry, got an interrupted you there. No, it's okay. Um, Emil saying in the chat, I've opted for Sterling as um, Saka to Madison in game week eight makes sense to me. I just want to say that I think if you are get, if you are wildcarding in game week nine, I do actually prefer Sterling because I think the fixtures up until game week nine are actually better. And even if you're not wildcarding, I guess if you've got a planned transfer maybe to take him out, that that is better because Sterling's fixtures from nine are Arsenal, Brentford, Tottenham, Man City, Newcastle. Mm. I think he's still value and you could hold him through that, like not a problem. But um, yeah, that's why I said Madison for sort of the long term, Sterling for the sure. short term would be my would be my picks there. And if you're doing that nine game week nine wildcard, then Sterling hopefully just sits there. Yeah, the, the only thing I'd add to that Foden conversation is it's probably more to do with the fact that he missed the day before. So he might have been fine. We don't know. He might have been fine yeah. on that match day or felt loads better. Um, but ultimately, if he missed training the day before, it might have been he just had like some symptoms of a cold, so they've just been removed him from the squad. He might have felt yeah, fine. Yeah, you're not going to play if you miss the day's training before the game with Pep. It just He focuses yeah. on that game plan for that. And I'm sure most managers will do that, right? Mm. The tactical setup for that game plan. And they just presume he's not going to be there, basically. But you're, but you're, but, you're definitely right, though, that managers would make an exception for a player like Watkins, where yeah. he's just like, your yeah, talisman's the word, isn't it? He's just the main man, plays that role. 
like there's but phone you can just slot someone else in but or it could have been that he genuinely was struggling you know if anyone's ever even just played five aside with a cold you know how you struggle to breathe it's the same for an elite athlete forget um, having a cold i don't even need that <laughs> after five minutes <laughs> um yeah and it might have been that he just thought i probably can only like he might have even said i don't think i can start the game so it's hard it's hard to know but i i think look at us being so humble arguing for each other um, but I, I think I think Foden owners were pretty unlucky, even though they were lucky from the moment he came on because he got something. But if you look at the big, if you look at the big picture, the fact that he, he he only got four points, I would say that was fairly unlucky. But yeah, I just I didn't particularly like him as an asset anyway, just because of the uh, the minutes compared to Sterling particularly. That's fine, but when, I think when you take the gamble, and I know most analytical players who play with the minutes and stuff, they don't like these picks, right? Because they know that they're not probably the best picks, and they, I suppose they're a little bit scared sometimes, I'm just going to say it, that they could actually hurt them because they're a suboptimal pick potentially, and then they can go crazy because they know they are good players. Mm. That, that's my thought process. Anyway. But when you are looking forward to the game week, because you're pretty sure there's pretty much nothing that can stop him starting in this game. Like People may say that's brave, but I think everything was lined up for him to play this game, and then he gets ill. And then they only score like two goals. I think the game is totally different if Foden plays. I, I you know, I, I genuinely believe that that game would not be, you know, essentially two one in the last minute or close. I think there would be a lot more goals in the game if Foden had started. And it's really disheartening to like be looking forward to the game the whole week because it is a fantastic fixture. Um, and I suppose we similar. We, we've got chance for it to make it up now, but we really need Foden to go crazy now in this home Fulham game. If he's going to play to kind of make up for it, mm. and I, I really hope that happens because it's just so disheartening, right? You bring in these players like they're a little bit different. The fixture's fantastic. You've got the best team in the league, and then they just don't even get on the pitch. That's the most frustrating thing. Yeah. What they do, but barely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was I think game week eight or something last season. That exact thing happened when everyone bought him. He started the first eight in a row or something like that, and then immediately was benched for three in a row. And then hard and struggles for the rest of the season to get back in the team. So yeah, it is brutal that can it just happen. It can happen so immediately. Yeah, but you know you know that better than anyone. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess like moving on from that because there's been a lot of discussion this week <laughs> um, about whether you should move early for players. And um, yeah, we had a quite a good. Uh, we had a few questions about that. Um, Seb actually was one, one of the people that asked the question. Uh, knowledge versus catching a price rise was basically how he summarised it. Um, and I thought it was just a good thing to talk about because I've definitely changed my mind in it more. I mean, literally in the last couple of weeks, if you go back and listen to the pod last week, me and Seb would just talk a lot about how you just need to like value inf- information is really, really important. So make sure you have all that before you make a decision, uh, etc. if the difference is only 0.1. Whereas actually, I think because of some of the stuff I read on Twitter this week from some people far cleverer than me, I've probably actually changed my mind on that slightly, but I still think it's very, very like messy in terms of how you determine that and the kind of the reason that was discussed this week a lot is because i mean it was being discussed anyway and then sterling wasn't in the squad yesterday and so lots of people were uh, i think mostly jokingly like implying that he was obviously injured just to annoy people that had bought him in early (laughs) (laughs) um me being one of those um but yeah what is the the tweet i saw initially was actually from fpl FPL kiwi um if you don't follow him on twitter you should um just really like really interesting guy posts a lot of stuff in terms of FPL and data. Um, and his tweet said, not doing your actual preferred move and choosing to lose out on price changes seems wild to me. I've seen people hold through a double price change, which is when the holder and the faller both move in price. Um, and he said that's worth at least 1.5 points. This is re- and yeah, I just thought that was really interesting because um, he also described the value of having extra information as 0.5 points, which I asked him about. And he said it's somewhere in that range, which is why 
that's the value that review puts on it and, and you can actually edit that value um so yeah i just asked him a bit about like actually how do we determine how much value it's worth um having 0.1 value and he told me to talk to fpl trout who again you should all follow on twitter and then he showed me this graph which i'm going to do my best to kind of explain to you guys who are listening um which i'll probably mess up but so th this graph basically shows you um you've got down the left hand side um uh the optimized projected amount of points you'd expect to get um, over um, a 12 game week, uh, uh, the next 12 game weeks. Um, and then you've got the starting amount uh, that you have within the bank and how that changes over time. So you can see here that as you um, have more money in your bank, money in your bank, the average of points you expect to get per game week, this is for the next 12 uh, increases. And it actually may not look like a lot, but for example, if you look at 99 on that graph where it's about 62.4, then go up to 100, where it's about 62.7, you can see that basically that um, 1 million is worth about 0.35 points per game week across the course of a season. Um, and when I asked him about this as well, he also explained that it's pretty consistent um, with previous seasons um, as well. So essentially the take home message is actually, but that 0.1 actually can have a really big impact. You know, 0.35 points per game week is a lot if you have a 1 million um, more in team value than someone else when you're wildcarding, for example. Whereas it's like previously, it's something I've like massively ignored and thought I definitely want more information. Um, but like my main caveat to this would be this is only really applies when you're really certain on your move, I guess. Um, because if you're not if you're not certain on that move, that value of having information uh, increases even more. Um, and that yeah, and that value of having information is also um, oh sorry, the value of um, of uh, going early, you know, that's also more risky if your uh, bench is worse. And it's going to maybe easier for an analytical player to say this who probably has a, a heavier bench, for example. And maybe that's one of the reasons why a review uh, likes uh, a heavier bench. Uh, Toz Dib says, is this with a wild card every week? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think this is just a projection for the next 12 game weeks. If you were to set a team now based on how much money you had, how much the average points would be per game week. Um, but yeah, I just, I just found it really interesting to actually see numbers put on it. Um, and yeah, I would, it would, it's definitely changed my mind in terms of I'd definitely be more likely to make earlier transfers now, even if there's a risk of a player missing out. Because um, what you're risking in terms of maybe having to bench them, um, actually, sometimes that's you only have to bench them for a week as well. So it's not necessarily always the worst case scenario of suddenly a player's out for two months and you're immediately doing a minus four to bring in the alternative. Um, and that added team value is probably worth it. And yeah, that's particularly in this period of the season when the price changes are more uh, volatile. Um, yeah, hopefully I've um, hopefully I've explained that fairly well. Um, but I just thought it was really worth mentioning. Um, but then, what, what do you do, Luke, in terms of do you tend to move early on players, or has that changed over time since you played the game at all? Um, I mean, I used to obviously move early all the time and even take hits and stuff when I didn't particularly care about about rank. Um, if, I, if the guys were going up that I want and I wasn't going to be able to afford them, I thought it was, you know, I'm going to miss out. That was the general feeling. I don't I don't think that's necessarily the way to think because, you know, the, the thing is there's so many times where a very good player has a very good fixture and they are terrifying not to own. But quite often that, you don't really get as punished as you think you might. Mm. And, and often actually if making a hit to do the move will actually end up being negative. So I've learned to sort of quash that a little bit. I will say it's still one of the most painful things for me in fantasy to do when you really have a, a feeling that you really want this person for this fixture and you think they're going to do really well and then you don't do it because 
you know, it might be a hit or whatever reason you can't, there's a more a higher priority transfer and then they go on to score really well. Um, but it doesn't happen that option that often. It's just that those are the ones you kind of remember, I guess. And you're like, Oh, for God's sake, I really should have just done it and beat yourself up about it, but not doing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just, that's a subside. I think from, I think in general, like I will play it where if my player's going down and the other person's going up. So if I think there's going to be like a 0.2, 0.3 change, then generally I will do the move like early, only if absolutely forced, like on the final night that I can get away with it, like most people probably do. Um, and there's literally no other option. But it's just a, it's judged on an individual basis. I don't have any hard and fast rules really. But generally, if it's sort of like two or three difference, then I'll probably do it, especially early on. And again, especially if you've got two free transfers or a wild card in the back pocket, I know you don't want to blow it, but let's say you do that and then. You know, that someone else gets injured in your team, and then another two people get injured, and you're like, right, I'm absolutely screwed. Then you have got the wild card. Now, I do genuinely think like the the value of the wild card is like not as strong as long as look. I'm talking about the players like us that have probably picked pretty good teams, like to mm-hmm. begin with, on paper at least. Um, like if I was to wild card now, I, I genuinely don't think I would change that many players, and I think most people would be in the same situation. So. I don't really think that it's as valuable as people think, and there's no particular fixture changes right now. So it's like, well, if I have to use it now to get myself out of trouble, then I'm not that worried about it, and yeah. I, I will just do it because, yeah, there's no obvious. It's not like in, in past seasons, I guess, where it's been like a more obvious time to use it. I think this season, like, yes, people talk about between eight and nine, but outside that, it's probably just hold on for as late as you can. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't really think it's like a massive loss because the other thing that makes me think that is on review, if I sold for my team up to game week eight, nine with a view to wildcard in game week nine, my transfers are pretty much exactly the same as if I didn't wildcard in game week nine. Yeah. Like it doesn't take me down a different path. So could I get away with not wildcarding game week nine? Well, apparently at least up until that point, I could quite comfortably. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd be more happy and more inclined to make the transfers early on um, later on in the season maybe not as much i think maybe we you know probably have a deeper bench um you know and and therefore i'm not as worried um, but yeah. yeah no that's one of the key things is when i chatted to kiwi and trout about it <laughs> something so funny saying that such random words um but when i chat to them about it, like both of the things they emphasize is actually putting a value on information is really difficult and the key thing is that this, this is just really average so actually you, there is a lot of judgment calls so for example if chelsea were playing a I know they're not in the Champions League, but if they had a Champions League fixture this midweek, suddenly the value of having that information about Sterling is suddenly higher and it's riskier to go early. So it's just a lot of judgment in place. And it's also, I think, just how you um, take on information as well. Like I often just can't be bothered thinking about my transfers later in the week and that's one of the reasons I don't go early. Probably, um, and I'll probably be better at the game. Minimally, if I just thought about that maybe earlier in the week, that maybe me maybe mean there was a few times I went earlier uh, with my transfers. Um so it also depends how you play the game slightly. Um, I, well. I would also add as well, it now in the modern in the era that we're in, depending on which teams play first and whether we have a Friday night game, mm-hmm. the amount of leaks that we get um, actually affect it massively. So yeah. like last week where it was Chelsea-Luton, and I don't think anyone cared about the Luton team particularly, and the Chelsea team was pretty well known probably who it was going to be. We didn't have any leaks for anyone else. Like going early wasn't as bad because you probably wouldn't miss out. Now I think if you go in some weeks, if you go early and it's like a you know loads of teams are playing at three o'clock, eighteen, we could potentially have so many leaks before the deadline that you're you're actually sacrificing a lot of information for that normal one potentially, which is a sad state of affairs. But it's true, right? Everyone seems to get these leaks miles before the deadline. Mm. So 
yeah. yeah, in those weeks, I would be very, very opposed to doing early transfers if you can help it. Mm. Yeah, 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 definitely. And even like like last week, um, I rolled my transfer last week, but I was like on Twitter about fifteen minutes before the deadline, just waiting to see if Gusto was starting, and I was pretty I was pretty confident he would start, but I was ready to make a transfer just in case. So yeah, it massively impacts the way you play in general. Mm. And if I was thinking about a transfer, um, and I did consider it a few times, but say I was like really, really on the iron right up until deadline, that could be the difference between me making a transfer elsewhere or not. Um, See so that, yeah, that comes into it as well in terms of how valuable that, that information is more valuable if you're transferring as a player like Foden and Foden happens to play Friday night. Yeah, for sure. So there's, there's loads to consider, but I just found it really interesting that the kind of the default and the on, on, on average it is good to go early and okay to risk it because I just kind of assumed it would be the other way around. Um, yeah, and uh, I guess, um, yeah, let's, let's move on to another question. Um, so let's go on to some Man City stuff, I reckon. So, um, um, in, in general, um, the, yeah, there are quite a few questions about Man City, as you can imagine. We had one about Rico Lewis from Michael Lowe, whether he's an option. We had Du Nunes, Doku and Palmer impact Foden and Alvarez. That was from two people, Fifons and Red Wizard. And... Um, and then a question about Pep, how he keeps making very minimal substitutions or makes mm. only a couple bit late in the game. And Do you see that as a trend that keeps on, uh, that will, is likely to keep happening? But yeah, I'll let you answer these, um, Luke. I've, I've rambled enough there and people are, will be interested in what you have to say on City in general. So I've thrown three questions <laughs> at you in one go. <laughs> yeah, I just want to caveat that again, and I say it all the time, I am just some guy at home on Twitter. Like I don't, these are just my thoughts. I know I've done pretty well at predicting Pep but I want to throw it out there that there's, you know, that you have to be in that group to predict in prep. Uh, and there's only about sort of 40 to 50 people that I've done well and, and done it. And I could have just been a little bit lucky. So we're all guessing here. So I wouldn't value my information particularly higher than, than most other people. So I just want to throw that out there, right? But do you have Pep's Before number or not? Thinks, Except I don't have Pep's number. Oh. He could do anything crazy. I could be totally wrong. Let's throw that out there. But um, Rico Lewis, Michael Lowe. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Rico Lewis is is an option personally. Like I, I would never have him. But if you if you've got him, then um, uh, yeah, it's it's difficult. I w- I wouldn't really be starting him. The 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 benefit to Rico Lewis was in the system he was playing last season, which was the five back five forward three two two three, as some people call it. Rico Lewis was kind of the backup for John Stones, inverting from the right back into midfield. Now with John Stones getting injured and Rico Lewis starting the first game. I can see why people kind of did it because they potentially could have got a really good option who was going to play while Stones was out. Not that they knew how long Stones was out at that point, I don't think, by the way. So still a bit risky. But now he doesn't seem to be playing that setup at all. He actually has one of the centre-backs step into midfield and he's using Kyle Walker to go down the, the right, um, right back into right wing. And he's not really using the same setup. Now that could change, but at the moment he doesn't seem to be changing it. So where does Sterling fit into that setup? Well, to be honest, the only way I can really see him even playing in the team is if he was to play instead of Kyle Walker and actually hug the, the touchline and play with some width, which we've not really seen Rico Lewis do before. So I don't really know where he fits in in that setup because obviously Kovacic and Rodri playing as the as the pivots means that you know they're not really having that midfielder, I'm sorry, that right back stuck into midfield. Mm. They're having one of the centre backs step in and help them a little bit, but that's not Rico Lewis. So the only way I can see him playing at the moment is really in place of Kyle Walker down the right, which I guess could happen, but um, it just seems really unlikely. So I don't really like him as a pick, unfortunately. Um, Doku, Nunes and Palmer, how do they impact Foden and Alvarez? Um, 
I suppose they do because ultimately there's more bodies for him to pick and he can only put 11 out there on the pitch. I think Nunes is probably a Rodri and Kovacic kind of backup. Don't really see him in advanced areas particularly. Um, again, I could be totally wrong on that, but I think he's more just um, a utility player and they need just because they've got such low numbers um, and they play in so many competitions. I would be surprised if he affects things that much, but I guess we'll see. Um, you know, Palmer leaving doesn't really change much because obviously they've got Doku in, so um, it's kind of like a, a switch around there. And obviously Palmer was kind of filling in for Mara, so ultimately you've just kind of got a right winger now. I think that will affect Foden and Alvarez because, again, I'm only going by the current setup. At the moment, the right winger actually comes in as a, as a dual 10 and there's no De Bruyne. So I'm going to bring a team up. In fact, you want to bring it up, Sam? I think you've got it on one of the slides, haven't you? Yeah. Can you see that? It's on a bit of a delay. I can't see it yet. Okay. It's, it is showing now. Oh, yeah. I can see it. Okay. So... Um, I think this is kind of like the generic team at the moment that you're seeing in most games in the setup they've got. I was a bit skeptical around Kovacic and how much he would actually play. But I think last week, the fact that he actually started in a game versus Sheffield United, I thought maybe they wouldn't use him in a game like that, but they did. And he's played so well in that position. Makes me think that he's going to play in more than I anticipated. So suddenly, if you look at that team, right, we know De Bruyne's out. Where, where does Bernardo Silva go? Like Bernardo Silva's obviously a very good player and he's not going to play every game, Foden. but you want him on the pitch more than you don't. So yeah, it's pretty much Foden, Alvarez and Grealish yeah. out of all those three. One of them could miss out for Bernardo Silva. So Foden could even go to left, you know, left wing instead of Grealish or Alvarez could drop out and Foden could go in 10. And then you throw Doku in there as well. And we're back to what we said before, like Doku could play as that right winger. <laughs> it would be a slightly different setup in my mind there because... As I said, Foden comes to ten, and Carl Walker holds the width. So it's just too—it's too hard to answer right now. But ultimately, there's a, there's good players missing out, um, and they are going to get minutes, right? So I mean, I'll throw it back to you. Where do you, do you think Bernardo Silva comes in for Phil Foden in this setup then for some of the games? Because that's where he usually plays at the moment, right on the right wing. Yeah, I think he does probably for some of them. But I just can't. I just think it's, it's so hard to know which games those are. Hmm. But then, yeah, and then if people are saying, well, Fielden definitely plays, what well, does Alvarez miss out then? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Again, it's, I can't. It, people are asking me because they're in the same situation, they're not sure. And yeah, you, you can't have 12, 13 players on the pitch. So mm. the logical conclusion is that players will end up getting subbed and they will miss games occasionally. Like that, that is the bottom line. And that's what's going to happen. I don't yeah. think they're absolutely nailed and going to play every game. There's, no, there's nothing else I can say. Like if you go there, the fixtures are good, you've got a good chance of getting decent minutes. But it's only a matter of time, I would say, before Doku starts getting integrated into the team. It may even happen as quick as this week. You know, Bernardo Silva can't really miss out that often in that setup, especially if he wants to play Kovacic. Mm. Um, I think the best way, what I'm hoping actually, is that Grealish starts playing a little bit less, and Foden actually plays on that left side, so he actually goes for Bernardo Silva in the Phil Foden position now, and Foden actually plays over on Grealish's side. Yeah, you don't see anyone ever but... considering Grealish, do you? No, I, I just I, I think he might miss out occasionally a little bit more because I think, again, I think in games like home to Fulham, do you really like Grealish is a great player, but I don't think you actually need Grealish as much as Pep maybe thinks he does, <laughs> but he, he obviously knows more than me. Um, yeah, I just think that maybe you could get away with it. 
Yeah, yeah, sure. It's very convoluted. Whenever we start talking about Man City, it just gets becomes a mess. But there's there's a reason why. There is a reason why. Um, it, it's yeah. I feel like I'm in the same position as everyone who's asking me the questions. To be honest, <laughs> I don't like. Um, I could contribute and say, oh yeah, maybe um, Silver will come in for Foden. That means Foden's more to play centrally than Alvarez. But I, I have no idea. If I'm being totally honest. I would just be guessing. Yeah, well, Alvarez, Alvarez just keeps playing, and all the information we have yeah. is that he plays when he pretty much plays when De Bruyne doesn't. He's been taking set pieces. He's second on penalties. Like he's really good value. I think he's a he's a good pick. But the question remains: when Bernardo Silva comes into this team, or Doku, which one? You know, Grealish, Alvarez, Foden. One of them, two of them might might end up missing out. Yeah, I definitely. And they're not going to just not play any. Would you say in general that Grealish, um, yeah, is way more likely to be Foden and Alvarez than Grealish? It seems so, yeah. yeah. I mean, Grealish missed, what, like one game already, I think? You think he didn't start the Burnley game, is that right? I'm pretty sure he didn't start the Burnley game. Yeah, but that's not what people want to hear, Luke. <laughs> no. The run's good. you just got to take it on the chin. If you go in there, you could get lucky. And that's part of the appeal, I guess, is that they, their ownership will actually stay relatively low against the people you're competing against, I guess. Yeah. So you could get lucky as a result, but... There's other guys that play all the time, so you know what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Is there anything else you wanted to add on that, Luke, particularly? Not really. Just if you do it, good luck. You're you're a, you're a kid. You're one of my brethren. You're a. I wish you good luck because I've I've actually got Alvarez and Foden in my team, so I've gone all in, and I hope it works out. But yeah, I'm very skeptical. <laughs> yeah. Um. Cool. Uh, we had we had one question that. Uh, Oops. We had one question that literally just said, how bad, how bad are Luton <laughs> from FPL Fish? Um, and so I, I guess based on that, I just looked at some of the spread market odds and then I chatted to Simon, analytical FPL on Twitter because he runs his own model, which kind of predicts um, future points, etc. to kind of get his thoughts on it. And I guess the, the, the short answer to that is that they're, they're pretty bad, but they're probably not as bad as like Derby County level when they're in the Premier League and we getting got like 13 points or something. Um, based on what we know at the moment and obviously that is primarily at the moment just based on last season's data the fact they're probably one of the weakest teams that's ever come up from the championship um, so spread market odds have them scoring getting 27.7 points this season um, Simon's model has them only getting 31 so definitely they're, they're definitely one of the weaker teams that the Premier League seen in recent years and it looks like if you watch that Chelsea game it certainly looks like they're a team to target but I don't think we should be expecting like 13 points from them, for example, based on what we know um, so far. But yeah, it does definitely doesn't. They seem like of all the teams in the league, they're the team to target at the moment. And yeah, Everton look woeful. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I'll just add though, like on team projections and stuff like they're obviously fantastic, um, but they are still working with essentially some guesswork because Luton haven't been in the Premier League and playing these kind of teams mm. before. So they, you know, it, it could be far better or far worse. There's a large margin of error, I think, potentially in these in these projections in, in a team such as that because they're, they're working with, um, you know, not not information from the Premier League. So yeah, um, we all know that that doesn't necessarily carry over in certain situations. So yeah, I, I think a lot of it's going to come down to like I still can't believe, and I've said it before, that Luton have come away to Chelsea. They've played two centre forwards. And then they've played wing backs incredibly high up the pitch, and then they've played Chong and Barkley as part of the midfielders. 
Like to me, they are two attacking midfielders. They've basically left Ben Camber on his own to to defend versus like the entire team versus world class midfielders in Casado and Enzo and stuff like that, or, or maybe not world class, but certainly on the way to or close to. Um, like to me, that if they're going to continue to set up like that, then that's pretty scary. I would say mm. for like you definitely want to be targeting but the thing is will they learn so many times this kind of happens with team i think you can even point to forest last season maybe maybe yeah, exa- that. yeah exactly that like I, th- I, put, I still think forests are pretty bad but i think they um you know tried to learn as they went along and, and have tried to, to become a better team as a result um, maybe luton will start to change the way they play but to, when you're not going to have any of the ball whatsoever i guess what's gone through the manager's mind is he's just going to hope that they can sort of scare and surprise them on a few set pieces they can attack them from the off like you know two forwards two attacking midfielders maybe get one or two goals and maybe they changed him up try and defend the lead i don't know but maybe he just thought i'm going to lose the game anyway let's go for it but that's the kind of teams we want to be targeting in fpl teams that want to go for it rather than sit deep i guess yeah. most of the time yeah considering um, you're not going to be buying ultimately you're not going to be buying a Luton defender for clean sheets aren't you anyway so, no yeah no, I think you'd be very brave if you. Well, and also very lucky if you actually get them. So on the, like the questions like Bowen and stuff, like is Bowen obviously this week? I mean, if you were having a free hit team, yeah, you'd probably have a hell of a lot of West Ham players in it. Or, but then you know, to bring people in and out all the time is quite hard. But uh, yeah, I just I don't know. With Luton, it still remains to be seen how they're going to set up. I, I would have thought they are going to learn and probably play slightly differently. Um, we'll have to see. The break yeah. will be in the pudding. Yeah, I mean, um, Everton is another one where I just think, I was convinced they were going to go down last season. I'm just convinced they're going to go down again, to be honest. I just, I, nothing has changed my mind so far in terms of what I've seen so far this season in terms of Everton. I just think they're, mm. just, they're just not really, I guess it's, they had lots of, there's lots of talk of them having financial issues and whether, if they had gone down last year, they'd, they'd have been in huge trouble financially, I think. So that's probably mm. therefore impacted their spending for this season. I just think, yeah, they're they're just like woeful, just so, so bad defensively. Which is funny because we both have Pickford. Um, <laughs> what were we expecting? Um, I don't know why. <laughs> well, I do. I do. The fixtures were there, but yeah, yeah. but we're not even getting the saves. So that's the annoying thing. <laughs> they're just con- they're just conceding like a couple of really big chances at the moment. Um, yeah, so but, there's, yeah. some of their players are actually pretty good. But I saw you. I saw rumors Iwobi wants to leave now as well. I think that'll be a big loss. He's, he's injured, isn't he? Iwobi as well. I think. Unless I didn't know that, but I could be I think wrong. Anana's a, Anana's a good player. Like I, I do think they have got a few good players, but they've still got Michael Keane at the back, and I know they've assigned this battle, but I know nothing about him. But they can't score a goal. Yeah. Um, it's Calvin Lewin that's a big problem, isn't it? Like, yeah. If he was playing really, reg- really regularly, yeah, he is injured. Oh no, he's not. Sorry, I think I've just made that up. Made that up. Um, no, he fractured his cheekbone, didn't he? Oh, oh, you're talking about Iwobi. Sorry, yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, it won't be as injured. Um, anyway, yeah, um, yeah, Calvert-Lewin's just such a good player, isn't he? He's just one of those players. He's really good when he's on the pitch. He was just in like Callum Wilson in that way. Like, well, I suppose he was. I, I think it's been so long since he's been on the pitch. It's hard to say whether it's actually affected him too much. Yeah, like, yeah, sure. Um, um, I'm sure. I mean, he's better than what they've got. There's no question there. Yeah, um, yeah. I think Morpai's like top of the. Um, yeah, I was looking at non-penalty XGI over the three game weeks and Morpai is like in the top three per 90. I know he's not played massive amounts of minutes, but so that the chances were there for him. It's just that it's Morpai, unfortunately. So <laughs> Calvert Lewin, something different might have happened. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, we'll move on to our kind of like last main question that we kind of set aside. Then we'll go through some of them in the chat 
and some of the smaller ones. So I had a question uh, about basically FPL review settings and the impact they can have and how you can adjust them, um, which I quite enjoyed actually reminding myself actually because a lot of the um, uh, advanced settings I don't ever adjust actually. So it's interesting. I found it interesting just reading over them again. Um, so what I've got here, this is basically what you see when you show the advanced settings on review. So I just thought I'd just quickly go through them so and kind of give some examples of times when you might adjust them. So top left, free transfer value, which is 1.5 as standard. Um, that's basically how much you value um, having free transfers available. So if you had that set at zero, um, you would always make a transfer if there's the tiniest increase in EV you're going to get. So if there's a transfer you can make this game week that's going to get you a 0.1 increase in EV, where the, it's almost 90, in 99% of situations you would just roll that transfer because there's more value in having the information and transfer next week, you would make that transfer. If you increased it, you'd be more to save transfers. So I guess times when that might uh, you might choose to edit that would be if you knew you were wildcarding the next game week or you know you might be wildcarding soon and you just want to attack immediate game weeks or maybe towards the back end of the season possibly, do you think, Luke? I don't know, have you ever messed well, with that one? Well, I think you can also just tweak it because that's the kind of manager that you are. I think one of the questions sure. that Eric uh, Eric Ness Ossen does, or I don't know how to say his surname, but um, he's a poker player. I, I know he played champ man with me. He says, with money seemingly no issue, can models be tweaked to the idea of hopping on and off assets? For instance, Rashford to Bowen this game week, then Bowen to Madison the next week, but on and on. So essentially taking those almost one-week punts of doing Rashford to Bowen and stuff. And I, this is how you do that. If you put free transfer value down to like zero and yeah. your team's well set up, it, the model will start suggesting intricate plans as it puts it. So it will say like, yeah, Bowen's likely to outscore Rashford this week. So if it's enough to make the transfer, as in the EV difference is high enough, it will say to do that move. The problem you, you get with this kind of play is obviously if you run into problems, if new information comes out, injuries, suspensions, weak benches, suddenly you end up with a team where you've got three or four problems to fix because you can't guarantee that transfer of Bowen to Madison the week after, right? You might be stuck with Bowen. Yeah. It might not be a bad thing. I haven't looked at the fixtures, but I think it, it's not a great one afterwards. Mm. So it, it comes down to, I guess that's the value they've put on as default, but that's up to you as the individual to say how risky you want to be, how intricate do you want your plan to be? And I generally, I will lower mine quite often because that's the kind of manager I'll be. I'll put mine down to that 1.3, 1.2, and I'll even bring it right down when, like you say, the horizon's like two or three game weeks. Yeah. Like yeah, if, yeah. yeah if I'm wildcarding game week nine, then, you know, in game week seven and eight, that'll be, that'll be right down. Mm. Yeah. And, and time decay is another example of that. So for example, time decay is basically how much value it puts on game on more immediate game weeks. So I think, 0.85 as a standard. I think that means that the let's say it's game week. What is it now? Game week four. That means it would put 85% of value on game week five, and then that would gradually reduce over time. Mm -hmm. So if that number's higher, uh, it will put uh, more value um, overall in in game weeks uh, in the future. And if you were to um, yeah lower that uh, massively, it would focus loads on just like your immediate plans kind of what mm -hmm. you're talking about there about not valuing free transfers as much so i guess that's another example of that and you might change that decay if you knew you're wildcarding really soon and it's going to either be in four or five game weeks again a wild card that's when you might choose to decrease that yeah whereas if you were setting up and you knew i want to leave my wild card for as late as possible you might increase that above 0.85 and that might be an example of where the solver might want you to get madison for example rather than sterling based on what we discussed earlier of actually really really long long term Madison has the better fixtures and same yeah. transfers. So that's a, another example of that. If you've got like 
and you probably shouldn't have this confidence about it, but if you say you're convinced the player is going to be uh, great from now to the end of the season, like nothing's going to change. Because we know like Madison's great, for example, um, there's nothing that could possibly decay him outside of injury. Then that should be at one. Essentially, you're saying you're getting him. One is that value where his value doesn't necessarily change. So you again, you can do that if you've got three weeks to go to a wild card, then you could maybe change the free transfer value down and put the decay at one. So you're saying that their value is going to be as good this week as it is in two and three weeks as a percent of their total EV. I mean, not like they're going to have the same EV every week, but um, they're, about, they're going to be at a hundred percent of that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Cause you would naturally see that decay over time anyway, just because of, you know, a player yeah. of an injury, et cetera. Um, yeah. And then solver depth is uh, basically the number of game weeks that it considers. Which you probably already know solver speed is, I, I think how much um, uh, the detail at which it runs that essentially. So if you have it on a, a really fast speed, it's not going to give you as accurate a result as if you have it on a really slow speed and the solve takes ages. Um, in the bank value, you might edit. Um, in fact, we were discussing this before the pod, me and Luke, because there was another question actually about whether review accounts for price changes. And if you know that you're going to be 0.1 short of a move and say, for example, you want Trippier in game week five and you know there's a good chance he's going to go up in price, uh, between now and then, uh, you might just change your in the bank value to um, uh, zero or, or um, is that a good example? You might, in, in that situation, you might increase it. Oh, I've lost no, my in the thought. In, in the bank, in the bank value, as far as I understand it, on this screen, isn't isn't actually your your total. Oh, of course, in the bank no, value no, you're right. Yeah. yeah, it's how much weighting it puts on having the spare money. So yes. if you could. You could therefore change that weighting like you really value having money in your bank to therefore make future moves and you don't want it to use the full amount mm. or you do want it to use the full amount and use the maximum you've got available so again the default's at 0.1 yeah. but you can change that either way if you want to actually take money off of your team then you can actually do that in the main page and you can say um you know i, I trick the solver essentially and just say oh i've actually got um i don't know 100 million rather than 105 because then you want to see what happens if you can't afford that in the future. So I think one of the questions was, yeah, if you if you want to get Trippier in, but you don't make the moves today and you're convinced that someone will go up or down so you won't be able to afford Trippier in two weeks, then what will my team look like? Because the solver doesn't know that. Well, take money out of your team, change the change that value, and then see what you would do instead. And then it would, well, I mean, presumably it would buy someone like Botman instead, but it might give you a different plan. So then you can say, okay, how much, how different is that plan? How different is the value between them? And therefore, you know, do I need to consider this or not? Yeah. Sorry, I lost my train of thought there completely. Yeah, so that's how much it values you, what, uh, having money in the, the bank. The information, yeah, how much it values having that information. So if you were to increase that, it would be more likely to suggest moves that enable other moves in the future because you're keeping money, it's valuing the money you've got in the bank to make future mm -hmm. moves, etc. cetera, um, uh, as well. Uh, what have we got here? Free transfer burn value. That's similar to free transfer value, but kind of the opposite. Um, so if you give that more weight, it would make it more likely, the it would make the uh, the solver more likely to be conservative with its moves. Whereas if you hit that to zero, it will be really greedy with really intricate solves, basically. Similar to how you adjust um, free transfer uh, value, uh, but kind of the other way around. Um, info value is what we kind of discussed earlier around, like <laughs> it probably should be about 0.5. But I wonder if this could be adjusted actually based on the... Uh, the immediate game week um depending on how much you think that information is valuable um for that game week uh, uh as well uh, risk position is basically um 
it's kind of like to do with EO and whether you it, it kind of takes into account effective ownership. Um, so if you increase risk position, it will play a lot more safer. And by default, it doesn't account for EO at all. But if you were to increase that, um, it will play a lot more safe. And if there's two players that are close, it's going to go for the one with the higher EO, for example. And if there are two players, um, if you have that, um, in, if you can actually move that into the negatives. So if you move that to negative one, for example, um, that's when if, if it was close between two players, you might lose a bit of EV, but it'll suggest the move with the higher upside where you own a player that's only 1% owned. So that's the kind of thing you might want to adapt later in the season based on your uh, aim in terms of overall rank or in terms of where you want to finish in your in your, your mini league. Um, I guess the last one that might just be worth explaining is subweight as well, which is how much value you put in your bench. Um, and I guess there's another one where you could, I guess you could another one you could decrease if you know you're going to wildcard soon, for example, and you've got time then to sort out your bench anyway. Yeah, it's one where if you, I guess the horizon again, if you say it's like three weeks and you're going to wildcard and you're pretty comfortable with your bench, you don't want to even consider your bench because you want to go all out for those three weeks, then you put it at zero basically and you just get it to focus on the 11 yeah. um, instead. That it might do anyway. Again, it's, it's just even at one, you just have to tweak these things and see if it suggests something else. I think the risk position one is actually probably quite underused because... Um, someone was saying earlier in the chat about how come when you run the solve, the team will look different from eight o'clock in the morning, four o'clock. Well, the answer is it's minor, tiny fluctuations and all these play players are extremely close in EV. And when you use this risk position stuff, you can actually say to solver, okay, forget that tiny little difference. What I actually want is a team that nobody owns because that's my best chance of catching up in say a one game week yeah. um, in your mini league. So you can actually put it into negative values as a result Yeah, and then, and then go for it. If you were like free hitting in game week 35, and you're just absolutely miles off where you want to be. You could just run a solve for a free hit and have the risk position really, really low. And it will, you know, you might lose a couple of EV, but it'll be a really, really low ownership team um, as well. Yeah, and ultimately, if you want to protect yourself and play yeah. extremely and, and play the year game, yeah, you just us. raise that up. You raise it up a little bit, and it will, it will sort of tell you to pick the players everyone else has got as long as they're still within a reasonable close EV. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I've never actually used that risk position one. The others I've like all I've adapted all of them at various times, but that's the only one where I've not. And yeah, the other ones we've not explained, like the um, maximum team or goalkeeper or goalkeeper plus defender uh, uh, value as well, um, is, is fairly self-explanatory. That's for people who don't want Edison. Essentially, they, <laughs> yeah. they can change that max goalkeeper value just, down. <laughs> you can also just exclude and click on Edison. <laughs> Faster way to do that. Um, yeah. Great. We'll just move on to. Should we just go over to some fast? Um, more of like quick questions to finish mm -hmm. I've got a few here already written down uh, yeah this one from FPL Marmalade is rev review clever enough to consider expected price changes when it comes to planning which you've already covered you can account for that by um, manually pretending you have more in the bank or less in the bank than you actually do to account for that but it doesn't currently do that in terms of it it's, it's not got any kind of price change predictor built into it um, no. at the moment so that's one of the you know, one of the few things you really need to consider yourself. And one of the reasons, again, why you'll look at different analytical players, teams, and they'll be really different still. Um, uh, which, this one's from, uh, that second one we've already we've already answered, actually, haven't we? From Eric. Yeah, yeah you mentioned that already. Um, are there any merits of a goalkeeper transfer? That's from FPL Spartans. Um, <laughs> I would just say no. At the moment, I think most people have more things. <laughs> I literally wrote on the notes, just no. Um, I think at the moment, is, I think there'll be very, very few people in the position where they need to make or kind of have the 
are in the privileged position to be able to make a goalkeeper transfer, I guess. Because uh, you would have so they've got to, it's so goalkeeper points are so unpredictable anyway. Like you've got to be in a really really good position to be able to make a goalkeeper transfer. I think. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they're hard to to. I mean, they are in there, but it does seem quite random in goalkeepers sometimes. It's probably one of the harder positions to model because it's almost counterintuitive, isn't it? In terms of you can get more points for the team being bad sometimes, mm. which is therefore quite hard to model. Um, and there's no necessarily a carry between games to say, oh, he's going to face loads of shots this week and then he's not this week. Like I know some teams have got a history, a proven history of doing it over and over and their tactic might be to force long shots from distance or whatever. Um, and that kind of seems to continue quite a lot of the time. But there are other teams where it can go from they make 15 saves and then they make zero. I mean, Pickford's a good example. You'd have expected him to make a lot more saves in a bad team than he has so far. Um, so, yeah, it's a difficult one. But in general, is there merits of a goalkeeper transfer? I would say, yeah, of course they are. If EV is big enough for you to make the, make the move, then you do it. I don't think it necessarily changed too much from, from any other player. And we all know those goalkeepers, you might say, like, it's a low-impact position, but we've seen so many times before, it not, isn't necessarily, like... You get one pen save and a clean sheet and bonus. You, you hit in a massive hole. Mm. The way the rate pens are getting missed these days, it's like <laughs> unbelievable how no one can take a penalty anymore. It's, it just seems crazy. I it's mean, I suppose it's probably. I'd love to see like the um, you know do some research into it. I, I assume there are no more missed now than there were back in the day, so to speak. But it does. It just feels like it. Can't remember Shearer missing many, whereas these guys, you've got like. Yeah, I don't know. Harlem dragging it wide and stuff. It's like Christ alive, man. Well, it's a keeper versus an outfielder. Ultimately, is whether is which has improved better within that time. I don't know. Like I would guess because it's a. Uh, yeah, I would. I would. I would assume that more are scored now, but because ultimately the, it's the outfielder that's in the position of power in terms of a, a great yeah. penalty is never being saved. Well, it's zero point seven six, isn't it? Or at least it was the last time I looked. So you're going to score more than you miss on average, mm. and that goes for even people who are bad at them. Like, I always see this funny thing of, like, Watkins not on penalties now, like, he's now a better option. Like, that's, it's not true, is it? <laughs> it's not true. Even if he is bad and he's missed quite a lot of them, he's still going to score more than he misses in general if he's above, like, the average footballer, which Watkins definitely is. Yeah, he was like, on, like, he's... Because I remember seeing that on Twitter, like, when he missed that penalty, or when he didn't take the penalty, loads of people saying, oh, it's better he's not on them. Some A lot of people saying it jokingly, some people saying it seriously. Yeah. Um, and then I was about to reply to someone... Uh, and then I quickly checked his record and I was going to be like, oh, actually, unless he was missing over 50%, um, you know, it, 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 he would be absolutely fine. And then I checked and he actually had missed over 50%. Um, but yeah, if, if you if you let Watkins take 100 penalties, he's definitely not only scoring 50 of them. Um, it's just like small sample, partly. Um, yeah, the, the second to last question about Mbwemo we've already answered. And then the last question about should we factor Trippier into decision-making? And yeah, my, my answer to that would be Yes, have you seen the Champions League group? Is ridiculous, by the way. AC Milan. I saw it just before I come on. Yeah, AC Milan. Who else was in there? Remind PSG. me. Was it PSG? Yeah. Yeah. PSG. And I can't remember the other team off the top of my head. But another big. Someone will say in the chat. Another biggie. Yeah. Juventus, maybe. Um, anyway, but I, I mean, yeah, there's talk of him being. I, I think it will impact his minutes. As in, the, like, there's definitely a chance they'll. Uh, there we go, Dortmund. And there's definitely a chance he'll, like come off earlier maybe before after those games but I don't think he's suddenly going to be rotated and one of the reasons I think that is because Eddie Howe we saw it last season just how much he loves a consistent team and maybe that's partly to do with what the players he had available and he has got the players now to rotate a bit more if he wants but um, yeah he just like so consistently played the same players Don't know, barely even rested Dan Byrne for example even though he had target available a lot of the season 
So I, yeah. I would just be confident that he keeps playing Trippier, to be honest. And yeah, yeah probably affects, so sure. affects his I'm minutes so a bit. Sure affects his minutes a bit, but I don't think he'll suddenly be a test. Like the Premier League's such a big priority for them. And the yeah, Rento, so, good. But... like he's good, isn't he? But and they spent a lot of money on him, but isn't he? It wasn't Livermore also injured for a lot of last season as well. Yeah, yeah. he was. Um, I, I just think that if you look at the very best teams in the league and where they want to go, or you look at the best team, which is the blueprint, and most teams want to copy that, is ultimately would they like to have world class players all over the place? The options change them all. The options tactic like set up. Yes, they would. So I think that's where they're all trying to aim to get to and as coaches they want to be able to do that stuff as well that's part of it's pretty much what they're paid for right try and win this match give the players on the pitch the best chance to actually win that game through your tactical insight and i don't think any coach wants to set up exactly in the same way every single match all the time um and and expect in this modern era that it's going to work every single time like they are going to want to change and tweak things so i'm not as confident i think as teams get better as they get more players in as they have more games they have to go down those routes eventually I know that it's fair to say, like, until we've got evidence of it happening, I don't want to go down that route and it's overthinking. But I think already you could see in the Arsenal case, people felt were a little bit guilty of that. And then straight away, we can see that it's happening already. Mm. Um, still, I would say they're a long way off being able to change the whole 11 and compete. That's the difference there. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's, it's mainly a few minor places, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't be enough to put me off Trippier, put it that way. I still happily buy him at this moment in stage, but I would not be surprised. Like, why else would you sign players in these positions that they're not going to get any minutes at all in certain games? It may just be League Cup and stuff, but, you know, depending on how far they go, let's say Newcastle gets to, like, the semi-final of the Champions League or something, then, yeah, could Trippier get dropped the game before it? Absolutely. Why, why, would, why couldn't he get dropped? I know we're not there yet, but I think it, it could happen. Hmm. I think it could happen. He could miss the odd game here or there, maybe. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's any way that Trippier doesn't start the Champions League games. Yeah. Um, but he is a player that's had a, he has a history. I mean, he played for Atletico Madrid doing this sort of thing, and he's you know he's a top professional stuff, but he is getting on. He's only 32. He's not that old. Well, that's, yeah. that's pretty old <laughs> for a footballer these days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm less convinced. Yeah. Um, but either way, like we both think, not nearly enough to. Well, not to not have him, often, but yeah. I just think that if he misses out in a game, you're kind of like, okay, well, would, at least would, we know that. Now. I would definitely go with him over Diaz now, even this game week, even though Diaz has got Fulham personally. Just because yeah. Trippier's attacking threat and the fact that Diaz can still be benched, it can still happen. Do you think that he's worth two million more than the likes? Like, say Botman's fit. Mm. I still think that's a consideration. I mean, that is a hell of a lot of money. Like, I get the argument that uh, maybe at the moment you don't really need that money because you've basically got Haaland and probably no other premium. And I understand that, but that can change very quickly. And we've just discussed that having money in your team in other places does actually have a value on it for expected points. So, yeah. you know, that is, um, you're essentially paying for any attacking threat and any bonus that you might get over Botman, which, yes, it's probably quite substantial. But is it two million substantial? I think it is. Well, I think the, I think the reality is you probably end up with two. I think Trippier and Shah or Trippier and Botman mm-hmm. is where most people will be. But yeah, I think it's I think because of like we'll get them in for those good fixtures as well, which is a really good fixture yeah. run. And the fact that they, we just like Newcastle is seriously good. I was looking at Chase shared one of those rolling twelve game week XG yeah. um etc. things. And they're above Man City over the last twelve game weeks in terms of um just their XG versus XG XG difference basically. Mm. Over the last twelve game weeks they're ahead of Man City, like they're ridiculously good. And yeah, basically my point, they, they can beat teams 5 or 6 nil, for example, against those teams at the bottom of the league. And with the amount of crosses he puts into the box in those types of games, 
that's what he's like to suddenly get those huge hauls where he gets even if he doesn't get an attacking return it's the three the three bonus as well isn't it so i just think yeah i think he's i think he's well worth the money given the alternatives and during that period where they have good fixtures yeah but if i say to you this isn't a perfect example let's just put you on the spot uh trent alexander arnold Mm. and then i say say canate and let's say they're both nailed look at the difference in price there and what you'd have achieved so far. Like you might get the odd extra assist or goal, but unless you're getting a lot of assists and goals, like to pay that much for him over Canati at the beginning of the season would have been pointless. Is that just the who cares? It's three games like... Yeah, but that's not true though. We all go for Trent over Canati every day of the week, don't we? Yeah, but what I'm saying is like that money is that isn't hasn't been proven to be worthwhile, has it? Sure. I know in just those three game weeks. <laughs> yeah, from three games. Um, yeah, yeah, but, but even over sure. large periods, like say you could say last season, maybe the back end of 10, 15 games, Trent got enough attacking returns to maybe justify that over the other Liverpool options. But it's not often that fullbacks go on those attacking runs where they get that many attacking runs, even in the case of someone as good as Trent. Mm. Yeah, but it's, it's just quite easy to, well, not easy to by any means, but we can predict when those runs are likely to come based on the fixtures, can't we? That's the thing. If you look at it over the whole mm-hmm. season, maybe not. But yeah, it's in those, yeah, it's in those types of games, I think, and you target them for those. I think that's a reality of where Trent, like Trent, a couple of seasons ago, was the kind of asset where you had him for the whole season. And it was a no-brainer. This season, it probably feels like he's going to be the type of asset where you, because of the lack of clean sheets <laughs> that will probably continue this year, you're just getting him in for those periods where they've got uh, easy fixtures. And it's probably mm. same with Trippier with how they've increased his price as well. But I think yeah, I, I think, think sh- I, I think yeah, he's well worth it. Okay, I think Shah's underlooked as well. We had great yeah. XGI last season. You know, yeah, five million. When you look at say Shah compared to Botman, I think the point five, like if you've got that to spare, that looks like it's probably a worthwhile investment. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think if you really want to go for it, then you get for Shah and, and Trippier over this run and just hope that they can get something between them. But um, yeah, it, some people are doing it. You're doing it this week, aren't you? Potentially, but I think maybe yeah. I'll have to wait for a game week or two before I, I get them in. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I'll be buying Trippier this week. Well, if everything goes to plan, I'll buy Trippier this week and then Chara Botman next week. Yeah, and I'll be on double for that whole run, I think. That's the plan anyway. Because I'm just very happy to sell a stupid ad. Um And also, it's partly also because my replacement for Chilwell was Gusto. And I'm expecting after the international break, Gusto's not going to be playing regularly again. So I'm probably in more need of just another defender in general than most te- other teams are. Um, mm. Because other people would have replaced, replaced with Udogi, for example, or um, yeah, another defender who's going to keep playing. So it's, it's probably partly that team dependent thing as well. Where I'm just in general mm. more in need to to get another defender in who plays. So I think double Newcastle defence makes sense for me. And in terms of doing it this week, yeah, it's because uh, uh, yeah, I don't like Newcastle playing Brighton. I'd much rather have Trippier than a Stupinan for that fixture, basically. Yeah. yeah, I think it's important, well not important, but probably worth considering not tripling up on defence just to leave yourself uh, the option of either Isak or Wilson if one of them gets injured. Yeah. I think Tom saying there, Newcastle attack were top for XG on Chase's chart. This is rolling, obviously, it's not just from these three game weeks, small sample, it's um, going to include last season as well. Um, and I think that's a valid point because I think Isak or Wilson... You know, if either one of them's out, they're they're on penalties as well, and it is a very good attack with very good fixtures. Mm. So I think we've seen a lot of people saying they're considering tripling up in defence. Could work fine, but Wilson's injury record isn't the best in the world ever. So I think that there could be an avenue there potentially. Um, you know, that opens up to us at some point. Yeah, that's one thing I was considering was whether I, um, 
do what eventually do like i was thinking oh this week you know this is when i was thinking about it a couple of weeks ago it was like well is this week where i go like watkins to isaac for example but i'm just very happy to hold like um, watkins now and again if you've got jackson you're going to hold him realistically aren't you so just to know where yeah. there'll be that room for isaac because i just can't see people moving to three up front at all with the amount of options in midfield so and yeah it's just the fact that he so consistently gets subbed early as well for wilson isaac uh yeah, no, yeah, I'm not interested. Tom, in Thomas it's literally right. strictly if one gets injured. Thomas in the chat saying Botman should be five two. Yeah, he absolutely should be. He should be, but then if they were both five, you'd go for Shah, wouldn't you? Just simply because his goal threats. Yeah, more true. five. Yeah, and you can't make for Shah at five point five compared to other. Botman four point five is probably fine actually compared to other defenders. That's the thing. It's just because we were he was one of the prices we saw really early on. So initially it seemed absolutely insane, and then actually saw the other prices and it didn't seem as ridiculous. Yeah, it's still pretty ridiculous, but yeah, it's it's less ridiculous. Yeah, all less. of them are pretty ridiculous, aren't they? Well, I thought <laughs> Ben White being more expensive than Gabriel was ridiculous, but it turns out not. <laughs> um, great. Uh, is there, yeah, is there any other questions in the chat that anyone wants to ask? Yeah, feel free to put them in there. I can answer one that I didn't answer before on Man City about subs. Um, the thing with Pep is he, he won't make subs... It's going to completely depend on the game state. So if he's happy with the team, the way they're performing is in their control in the game. Now that might only be that they're winning 1-0. But if he's happy with the players that are out there are performing what he's asking and they're doing it the way he's doing, then he won't make those subs. The times you'll make subs are, like you saw when Sheffield United scored, right, we've got a few minutes to change something. I need to change something. He'll do them then. And he might do them if they're winning 4 or 5-0. As we've seen, they'll bring players off if the game's won. Like Haaland will come off, people will get rotated and bring off if they're really smashing the game. When you've got that middle stage of and he's happy, he won't make the subs, and that just seems to be a running theme. But I, I get where he's coming from as well because if he's put those players out to do the job that he wants and they're doing a good job as far as he's concerned, why would he try and mix that up and change the tempo and potentially lose it? He's done it so many times where he talks about this pauser and the tempo, and he, he might bring a Foden on, for example, who's he can't help it, the guys just all go, he's literally got one setting. Um, and as a result, they could get more turnovers. It's frustrating as a watcher because you think that well, they could just blow away in this team by three or four goals, but. You know, he's um he's obviously the main man, he knows what he's doing and he knows how to get the results, so mm. you've got to kind of trust it. Yep. Um Lewis Hall then is it's saying he plays left back for Newcastle, doesn't he? Yeah, he's not Yeah. I guess he was I, I guess probably in relation to rotation maybe. No, I think um with him, because Dan Burns playing left back, mm. right? Um and they've obviously signed Lewis Hall, who's a very different player. Very, very offensive. I think he's a really good player. Um, yeah, so if he comes in as a more traditional left back and is more attacking at 4.5 million, I think he's a great pick. The problem is we just don't know he's going to play. And at the moment, doesn't look. When I was looking at why he wasn't in the squad the other day, it was essentially because his fitness was too low. So whether he'll be back in time for the fixtures is one thing. And then the other thing is, well, will he actually replace Dan Burners? As Sam said, it, like Eddie Howe's not really uh, been one to rotate and chop and change the positions. But Rest assured, if he's in the team, that'll be the people, that'll be the guy people go to, especially if Dan Byrne was to say get injured or something like that. I know Taggart's there as well, but I just think Lewis Hall's, um, yeah, a step above. And that might that might have a knock on effect. So Trippier, you know, Trippier might be less attacking as a result and tuck in. He'll basically do the equivalent of a Dan Byrne on that side. We've seen Trippier playing back threes before as the third centre back. So, yeah. Um, another question, kind of more specific. Uh, yeah, in fact, two actually. So, would you sell Martinelli for Embuemo or Madison, or would you just save the transfer for international break? Um, I think I'd, I'd sell Martinelli. Would you? Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, I guess with, with those potential players, they're going to be players you want long term ahead of Martinelli anyway, aren't they? So if you've got, I mean, depends who else you've got in your team. I'd imagine this is a team. If you've got Mitoma as well, or you probably sell Mitoma ahead of Martinelli, for example. But yeah, if you're, I think if if Martinelli is your worst midfielder, then yeah, that probably does make sense actually, in terms of long term. I mean, it's fine. It's fine to keep. They've got Everton the week afterwards, but. Um... Yeah, I just think Madison's probably a, and Edinburgh have probably got higher expected minutes, and yeah. you know they. I just think they're probably better options, or certainly a better fixture anyway. Yeah, the other one says reviews showing Holland to Watkins and Saka to Salah in game week nine. Can you see the analytics community going with no Holland at any point, even if reviews say? Yeah, I can see them doing it a lot. They're sickos. Some of them are mental, mate. Trust me, in the Discord. Um, yeah, people will do it. There will be people 100%. who do it. I don't have a doubt. Yeah. What if it says 100% that's the best way to do it? You do it, yeah, yeah. I definitely sell Holland, yeah. In that case, <laughs> it's a thrill. <laughs> live by the seat of... That's crazy, isn't it? Because people see me as more of the risk taker, but I, I would probably wouldn't do that. Whereas you'd be happy to I do it. I think that's kind of partly it. You've definitely got a, it's like a Man City Holland thing there with you. It was the same when you joined the league, you were far better at uh, kind of captaining him early on, and I was too slow to captain him. Don't know, you can just it's the fact he can always surprise you, can't he? Yeah, yeah. Th- th- there'll be a lot of people that won't that will be on the edge and say it's close enough where they want to play the effective ownership game, yeah. and they'll say That's no, I'm not, I, I'm not exposing myself to that, and I'll I'll keep him as a result. Yeah, um, I just think if there's a week where, for example, I mean, I've not got the fixtures to hand here, um, but say there's a week where Haaland's playing, I don't know, Arsenal or whatever, and Salah's got Luton or whoever it might be, a really easy fixture. Like it's way more exciting to have Salah, and like it's clearly far better no matter how good Haaland is. And it's like a really, really bad run, isn't it, during that period? So I would like, yeah, I would definitely like willingly sell Haaland. But it's just not going to like, it's it's really good that Salah, and it'd be really good, would be ideal if Salah could just not go to Saudi Arabia. That'd be great for FPL if he could just stay, because otherwise we're not even faced with those kind of decisions. <laughs> yeah, I've currently, I just bought Salah into my team in Sky and I'm already, I'm like already in the top. <laughs> Uh, 500 in the world in that game and I would really could really do with him staying in the yeah. team as a result so yeah I won't keep him it does seem like I mean if you look at the odds for him leaving you know there's a chance it will happen but it you know um, it's, it's pretty minimal it just seems very likely it will happen next summer doesn't it to be honest probably but yeah. we'll worry about that later I guess all good things have to come to an end eventually I guess review isn't allowing for a wild card nine so I can't find a way to get Salah and Haaland. Oh, is he? What do you mean it's not allowing for it? I reckon he's probably saying the... It's not... It prefers other game weeks, maybe, or like the upside of doing it isn't worth it for his team, particularly. I think there will be lots of people who wildcard in nine, actually. Um, and potentially, the, the, the actual fixture swing is more in eight, I think. And so I wonder if more people go there. It, it's kind of... I've not actually run it through review yet, though. I just like the that fixture swing in eight, actually. Well, um, I initially thought that. I think I think it's just game week eight is really bad, but actually the swing comes in nine in general. I think nine is is actually a better week. It's just eight is kind of a week you almost have to suck it up because sure. it's basically as Arsenal play Man City. Mm. It depends how many players you've got from that fixture. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's the thing that's overriding it. And then doing it, people like to do an international break. I think that's probably a bit overblown, but yeah. Uh, that's something we can discuss in a couple of weeks, actually, is how you actually work out when to wildcard. Like, what's the difference in EV got to be over X amount of game weeks? 
based on when you do an optimal wildcard compared to your team for you to commit to doing it. Well, that's where and people will have been in it last season. You just have to go in, or me personally, you go into review and you try all the different options. Don't you? Yeah. you say, oh, I wildcard here, I don't wildcard here, I tr- I do it in this game week instead, I don't do it in this game week, which come, which one comes out um, more EV positive, and you just go with that one. Well, you don't you don't just go with that one. If you want to follow the robot exactly, you just go with that one. Yeah, uh, one other question. Would you yeet? Eat Odegaard out for Madison <laughs> if, you're, if you're planning on taking him out next week anyway to do stupid in the trip here. Yeah, probably would in that case if you're planning on doing it next week anyway. Yeah, it's I would. Even if it backfires this week, it won't be one you'll be wanting to reverse next game week. Um, yeah. Right. Should we leave it there, Luke? Let's leave it there. Um, right. Thanks to everyone who listened. I think we've, yeah, we've got about 59. We've had between 50 and 60 people watching the whole stream. So. Really appreciate it. Um, give us a follow on Twitter. Give the video a like. I think that does something, apparently. I don't know. People ask for it, though. Like the video. Um, we might get Stormzy to watch it. Yes. Can you imagine Stormzy watching this? Yeah, I can. I can absolutely imagine Stormzy watching it. <laughs> I don't know what I meant by that. He's but definitely just he's team analytics, 100%. I'd love that, to be honest. It'd be yeah. so good. We need like a rival musician to be team analytics. Yeah, right. But who would be who would be the music, yeah, representation of analytics? Um, like Radiohead, maybe. Oh, Don't think really? they strike you as a bit like. That's, that's who people say I'm the lead singer of. Is it Tom York? Is Radiohead right? Oh, yeah, made that up. yeah, Tom York. Yeah, that's who everyone says I look like. Yeah, so do look I'm, already, like I'm, all, I'm yeah. already here. Yeah, don't know why Radiohead immediately came to mind for Team Analytics. It just did. <laughs> Elbow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Bono. Uh, Bono. <laughs> you too. Yeah. Because we're always yeah. trying to find the edge. Actually, ye- yellow goes quite well. Not yellow. What the fuck? Coldplay. <laughs> I'd literally call, this, just call them their song. It goes quite well. Because yeah. we're just like depressing. Yeah. Fix you. Yeah. Um, great. So yeah, join us next week where Chris Martin will be on the pod. We've run out of time clock there's some sort of pun there as well anyway catch you later guys (laughs) (laughs) cheers guys have a good week bye-bye